0: Stuart Holman here. Welcome to this bonus 6th daily devotional in our Growing Disciples series on the hope of Israel. Nearing the very end of the Old Testament, with God's people now returned to Jerusalem after the exile, God's prophets spoke of his continuing work in and for his people. He would bring new life, with a new covenant, a new heart, a new spirit, and Salvation out of judgment in the day of the Lord, that moment when God would arrive in person in the midst of his people. With all things to be made new in this way under God's rule, ultimately the prophets also announced the renewal of all creation. Throughout the Bible, God's relationship with his people always had a place, a specific location, a physical dimension. Humanity was never viewed in isolation from the rest of creation and so initially Adam and Eve related to God in the Garden of Eden. God's promise to Abraham included a particular land, the land of Canaan, and later the city of Jerusalem and Mount Zion, which took on such special significance even within the land. So God's people are always located in a place, on land, or in a garden, a specific Place in creation. So in the Old Testament, the welfare of God's people was always tightly connected to the land and, therefore, by extension, to all creation. This connection is so profound that it always has a spiritual dimension to it as well. That's why, when Adam and Eve rejected God's rule, when they embraced evil as their master, this disruption then to God's perfect order inevitably impacted all of creation in the curse. The fabric of creation itself was torn and distorted such that it was no longer a benign, no longer the fertile provider, no longer in harmony with humanity. When humanity fell from grace, they took down creation as well. Drought, famine, earthquakes, hostile weather and plagues became demonstrations of this dislocation, as well as, on certain occasions, judgment events. And so the curse bound all creation to a kind of frustration—no longer able to be all that it was intended to be. Even as God's people returned from exile back into the Promised Land, they were still subject to drought and to plagues and to famine. But there was a new hope. The prophet Ezekiel announced, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated. Instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it, they will say, This land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. Israel was mostly an agrarian society entirely dependent on the fertility of their soil and the prosperity of their crops and orchards and agriculture. God's blessing or curse was readily understood, therefore, in the condition of their land. Uh, The promised land, laid waste and abandoned, would again be fertile and carefully ordered, said Ezekiel. When desolation turned to fertility, the reverse of the curse would now be complete. But to those who continued to reject God and refused to repent, the prophet Isaiah had this message. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, My servants will eat, but you will go hungry. My servants will drink, but you will go thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. My servants will sing out of the joy of their hearts, but you will cry from anguish of heart and wail in brokenness of spirit. You will leave your name for my chosen ones to use in their curses. The sovereign Lord will put you to death, but to his servants, he will give another name. Whoever invokes a blessing in the land will do so, by the one true god whoever takes an oath in the land will swear by the one true god for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes see i will create a new heavens and a new earth the former things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. So in the day of the Lord, there would be a radical distinction between those who turned back to God and those who remained unrepentant. God's servants would rejoice. They would eat and drink and sing, enjoying the prosperity of the land. For the past troubles would be forgotten and hidden from God's eyes." Metaphorically, obviously. The coming day of the Lord would be such a radical moment that its setting demanded nothing short of a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, Notice that there is a, a radical change and yet there is also continuity there is still a heavens and an earth the dwelling place of god and the dwelling place of humanity in this radical renewal there is still a jerusalem that is there is still a place of meeting for god and humanity which was the significance of jerusalem a place for rejoicing and delight where weeping and crying are no more so the hope of israel included this renewal and restoration of the created order. Now, we have so many questions about what will this new creation be like and what will we be like in this new creation? God gives us only the most important information throughout the Bible, enough to enrich our hope and to keep us looking forward and to fix fix the eyes of faith on God's future. And so uh, the Apostle Paul, confirms this to the Romans he writes for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God we know that this new creation will be experienced fully then when the children of God enter into their glory at the final return of Jesus to rule God's kingdom on the day of the Lord. Until then, the creation is a, a slave to decay and frustration. But then it'll be brought into the same freedom and glory that God gifts his adopted children. Our own experience of redemption will include, therefore, a renewed creation. And I suggest that this is the same creation or something very similar that is to be... S- become now again everything God ever intended it to be, everything Adam and Eve were supposed to share in Eden by living with God. And so in light of creation's continuity and discontinuity in the renewal of all things and humanity's role as stewards over creation, Christians have a particular role in caring for our environment now. In recent times, Christians, I think, have abandoned the public conversation about environmental care and left it to the greenies and the conservationists. And so I wonder how good would it be for Christians to publicly advocate for environmental care on the basis of God's gift of stewardship and his imminent return? And how good would it be for Christians to be known for their practical day-to-day care of the environment as a means of expressing their hope in God's coming kingdom? The Book of Revelation in chapter 21, of course, quotes Isaiah's declaration of a new heavens and a new earth. But the image there is overlaid with the New Jerusalem image with this identification that the new jerusalem the new creation is also the bride god's holy people beautifully dressed for her husband the two images refer to the same thing the same reality of god living with his beloved people in a renewed creation where heaven god's dwelling is united with earth humanity's dwelling so the ultimate hope of israel inherited by the christian church is that God will live in the midst of his people in a renewed creation to their immeasurable delight and joy. Indeed, since they are the bride, his bride, they have been prepared through resurrection and given a new covenant, a new heart and a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, all in this setting provided by God, a new creation. Next week, our Growing Disciples course and daily devotions launch into the New Testament. And uh, Ness Hughes is going to open up the Gospel of Luke for us then. So until then, uh, stay safe and may God bless you in these unusual days.